Welcome to Coaching Kids Curling, a podcast for youth curling coaches and program organizers. I'm Glenn Gabriel, a certified curling coach who lives in Pickering, Ontario, Canada. My mission is to give you the advice, resources, and inspiration you need to make your program better. Clubs and curlers are adapting to a season without curling. In this episode, I speak with Abby Darnley of Rock Solid Productions to ask her how her company is adjusting their products and programs to keep promoting the sport of curling. Abby Darnley is the Director of Events and Operations for Rock Solid Productions. Most of you know Rock Solid as the company that runs the highly popular Rocks and Rings curling program for school kids. I had the chance to speak with her recently about the current curling season and how COVID has changed the way they approach marketing the sport of curling. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, thank you for joining me. And uh, I'm going to start with this. I, I wanted to get in touch with you because of a tweet I saw uh, from Rock Solid Productions, the company you work for. It, ha- it had to do with a product that you've just introduced called Backyard Curling. And I noticed that a lot of people, at least on social media, I find that they're building their own curling rinks outside. Because of COVID, they have more time to do it, but I've seen more of, more of this happening. Could you tell us more about the, the Backyard Curling product? What is it and, and where did it come from? What the idea come from? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Backyard Curling was kind of one of our products we or spins we've done of um, our COVID solutions. So when the pandemic hit and it looks as though things weren't going to go quite back to normal as quickly as we had all hoped, um, as a company who kind of markets the sport of curling, we really had to look outside the box on how we can continue to get people curling. And backyard curling was sort of one of those solutions. Uh, So it came about in the summertime, we were really just looking for um, how we can kind of custom our floor curl rocks and make them work on ice. So the floor curl rocks that we have, we've actually taken out the ball bearings on the bottom of them, and we have inserted, for lack of a better term, plugs uh, in the bottom of them. And these are a special type of plastic that really slide nicely on um, the ice. So this allows you to essentially create your hockey rink into a curling rink at any point. So we have the, you know, freeze-in mats, just like a regular curling rink would. They're much smaller, obviously, and you can put them into your backyard rink, and then you can just use these. They doesn't have to be a pebbled surface. So you can literally skate on your ice rink, and then you can curl on your ice rink with these fun backyard curling rocks. Abby, I've never built a curling rink outside before and, and it's something that I've promised myself I do. How how easy or difficult would it be? Have have you done it yourself? So I have not built a rink outside myself. Um however I would say being based out of Toronto would be fairly difficult because it doesn't get as cold as a lot of other areas. <laughs> so um I I don't know. I think the hardest part and from what we can see is is ice rinks actually being able to freeze because it's been somewhat of a milder winter, which I'm not complaining about, but um it does make it more challenging to build ice rinks. And so 
I think it's a great opportunity. What's nice about this is though, you, you know, it's because you don't need the pebbled surface, you can skate on it and do everything. And so it is a little bit easier to maintain um, long-term once you get it up and running. Now you said that the, the rocks are basically floor curl rocks. Now floor curl, I guess people know those rocks as the ones you use for rocks and rings. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So the equipment that is used in the Rocks and Rings program is floor curl. And so that's essentially what we've taken here is we've taken the floor curl rocks and really custom them to work on backyard rinks or any ice rink, really. I mean, indoor, outdoor. Um, So they can go there. So early rinks that have been put in are kind of in Winnipeg and and the Northwest Territories and a few more northern areas because it gets colder there faster. And we're now seeing um, areas, you know, more southern areas get their ice rinks up and running and we'll probably be seeing more uh, curling shots and and pictures, uh, you know, in the later half of winter. You you have other products, uh, of course, the floor curling sets, and then you have another product called street curling. Uh, Could you talk about that? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so like Rock Solid Productions is a whole kind of oversees or has you know sees all different types of products so we do floor curl which everyone knows we do rocks and rings that's the program uh in schools that we use floor curl equipment for and so now we have backyard curling but we also do street curling um and the street curling was originally launched the first time was um first done at an indianapolis super bowl um so that was the first time that we did street curling And it has certainly evolved since then. You know, we still have our, what we call our classic rink, which was our original rink that we we did at the Super Bowl, but we have a a larger product line. Um, And so it really varies depending what people are looking for. The classic rink is is sort of what people see when they go to festivals or events. You know, Curling Canada usually has it set up in um, their concourse for people to play and whatnot. But we have what we call uh, Street Curling Pro, and that's kind of being seen more in bars and um, more adult entertainment um, areas. So, you know, axe throwing places uh, and, you know, Dave and Buster type bars um, where it's more of a permanent setup and people are just going to be playing it as part of the daily entertainment at at that location. Um, And then most recently we've launched what we call street curling express. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a smaller scaled street curling rink in terms of that it's more lightweight and it's more portable. Um, but it's a fancier floor curl equipment so that it's, it's more durable. So it can be worked, it can be used indoors or outdoors. Um, so that kind of came about as well with COVID um, and a lot of community centers and programs and groups not being able to run programs or not being able to run indoor programs. It was another way to offer a curling program um, outdoors uh, where you know, more people could be playing and, you know, socially distance and just be outside. Having more activities outdoors and, and whether it be curling or any other sport, I, I think that's uh, an important thing that uh, uh, all sports are thinking about how, how to, you know, if, if you're typically an indoor sport, you know, how do you perhaps adjust to make it outdoors and, and make it COVID safe? Speaking of COVID and, and, and the season, this weird, wacky season we're having, I mean, obviously, Rocks and Rings is, is maybe your, your, your biggest program. 
you've had to make some adjust adjustments to that program. In the past, I guess a typical thing would be for one of your staff members to go to a school, bring the equipment, and and sort of run the program in the school and the gym with all the kids. Could you could you tell us about how things have changed this year and and some of the things that your company's done to to adjust to this season? Absolutely. I, I mean, like everybody, um, I think we've had to kind of rethink how we do business this year. Um, and we can't. Yeah, typically an instructor would go into a school, teach, you know, anywhere from seven to nine classes in a day. Um, so it's, you know, anywhere from 150 to 200 kids they would teach in a day and they would rotate them through different programs and activities. Well, that's not happening for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, instructors aren't allowed in schools. So that stops right there. Um, but two, sometimes uh, gyms aren't even open depending on the school board and the location. They can't even access their gymnasiums. So we've had to really adjust how we do programs. And um, the one thing we have done is we've introduced uh, rocks and rings in the classroom which was something we'd been kind of talking about for a few years of how to expand the programming a little bit. And it was going to come about this summer to begin with. However, it certainly wasn't going to come into as much depth as we did bring it. It was more going to be, you know, a few things here and there really to um, add on to their in school or in gym program. Uh, now we've created basically full curriculum programs for grades one through six all around the sport of curling. And it's all easy to download for teachers. They can literally log in, <clears throat> download their grade that they're teaching, and it will break it out. So there's different units. So there's an all about curling unit. So even if they know nothing about curling, doesn't matter. The lesson is broken out. You can easily go through it and teach it and, and spells it out. And then we have a language where we have multiple language uh, units. So stuff around, you know, spelling, terminology, and just, you know, writing and paragraphs and sentences and depending on the grades, that sort of stuff. And then we have science units. And again, each grade is designed around their curriculum. So depending what the curriculum outline is, it's, you know, stuff on friction and, and all that sort of thing and and the types of rocks and and things like that we have um, lessons in math and they can be anywhere from you know angles because in, in curling there's lots of stuff to do with angles so it's talking about angles but it also has to do with you know problem solving and and stuff like that so we have such a variety of stuff and then we do have some social studies lessons in there as well so the history on the sport kind of when it came to Canada and you know stuff on the Briar and Scotty so and each province is custom to their curriculum specific to their province because you know, when we kind of, when we started this originally, it was going to be like, okay, let's base around the curriculum. However, we realized pretty quickly that the curriculum in every province is slightly different. So then we had to adjust each outline to accommodate and work for that province so that the teachers can easily use it and accommodate it into their daily teaching schedule. So yes, that was that's probably one of our biggest programs this year. Um, or I don't even know if it's our biggest program. I mean, we worked equally hard on getting different products and programs kind of COVID friendly and trying to find a solution to still, you know, get people curling at a time when it, there's limited opportunities. Wow. Uh, I, I actually went on the website and although I'm not a teacher, I, I had to look around at, le at least a little bit. And I noticed that uh, it was tailored. Am I right in seeing that it was tailored to each province? Because you have to pick a province before you continue. Yes. 
Yeah, because each province, believe it or not, we now know is slightly different curriculum. So, for instance, um, some things might be taught in grade three in Nova Scotia, but they're not taught in grade three in Ontario. So we just want to make sure that the lessons um, kind of apply to what the teachers need to actually teach. So you you pick your province and that way you'd get the curriculum specific to your province. So before each lesson, we've actually outlined what the goal is that you're teaching right out of that province's curriculum guide. So whatever, you know, if the Ontario curriculum says X, we've, we've told you what we're teaching in this lesson to make it as simple as possible for the teachers. So, you know, like early grades will be teaching about, you know, talking about shapes and that sort of stuff, but then there's stuff on measurement. So the lessons are all around the sport of curling, but for the most part, it's really just the actual, you know, teaching goals that have to be used in the classroom anyway. So they're really, you know, I might be biased in saying this, but they're really great resources that are completely free this year for teachers to download and use. They're already built in Google Slides, which is what most um, online teachers are using right now, and also easy to download into the teachers' platforms to use however they want. If they want to put it up on a screen or, or that sort of stuff. We've also built into these lessons um, what we call movement minutes. So they, or we've been calling them the fifth end break. But um, basically, after the lesson, there's like a two-minute kind of exercises that the kids can do at their desk, whether they're at home or in the classroom. And, it, and it's, it's whether it could be something about like, you know, cardio is very important in sweeping in the sport of curling. Here's why. We want you to run in your spot for this. Take your heart rate. That sort of stuff. And just fun little activities the kids can do that still t- kind of teaches them about the sport of curling, but gets them moving at their desk as well. Yeah, as someone who has a child in kindergarten this week in in online learning, <laughs> any yeah. any movement break is uh, valuable to us. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, I know this is a teacher and an education focused resource, but th- maybe this is just an ask on uh, from a personal ask. Uh, I'm a coach and. You know, like I'm a program organizer for a youth program. Perhaps some of that information or resources could be shared with curling coaches. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm a coach too. uh, And I can tell you that when we were developing this and kind of working on the always in the back of my mind, it was like, well, how can I use this for my own kids at the club? Right. How can I use this? And Um, Although a lot of the material is really curriculum based, we can still teach education and fun stuff. So for instance, there's like YouTube videos on how to draw a curling rock. And there's a YouTube video on draw your own curling jacket. Um, And there's stuff like that, that can easily be added to, you know, right now, there is no curling going on in our club. So it could be something that the kids can do still be kind of exposed to the sport um, and, and keep them interested in it, hopefully. So we're, you know, we're always trying to continue to build the resource area and, and we have, we will continue to do so. But for the most of the stuff on there right now, it is curriculum based inquire and we, you can still use them and custom it. Uh, maybe not all the lessons are great, but you know, ways to build trivia off it and that sort of stuff to use right for your own um, little rock program. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to know that, it, it, you know, I'm not a teacher. So uh, if there was a way to access that information, I'm always looking for new activities and uh, things to do with the, the kids in our program. So, so anyone can access it. Like, oh, okay. Anyone can log on and access it. So, you, I mean, yeah. So you don't have to be a teacher to like, it's not required that you're to log on. These resources are there and available. You 
sign up and access, you know, whatever resources you see you like and download them and go from there. Okay. Abby, I'd like you to talk about Rock Solid Productions. Could you tell me a bit about the company's mission and goals for the sport of curling? Yes. So Rock Solid Productions basically markets the sport of curling throughout the world. Um, So we, you know, we haven't found another company like us that is literally focused on just marketing the sport of curling. And our goal is really to introduce curling in areas um, that maybe otherwise would not have been exposed to it and help build the sport as a whole uh, in Canada, but also throughout the world. So we've worked with, you know, 54 different countries, I think. We have our product in and and we work with uh, the World Curling Federation, Curling Canada, and, and we basically just help develop and market the sport in unique ways. You know, we've had our street curling on a beach in Mexico and we've had um, floor curl in so many different places. And, and really, we just find unique ways to get people curling. That's really what we're about is to get people curling in hopes that they join clubs and, and stick to the sport. How many people do you suppose Rock Solid has exposed the, cur- the sport of curling to? I'm assuming it's like thousands, hundreds of thousands? Yeah. Well, it would be hundreds of thousands for sure. Um, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be able to guess. Like, mainly, I mean, our Rocks and Rings program alone has reached over 1.8 million kids wow. um, that have been exposed to the sport. So... Yeah, so that's just for rocks and rings, let alone the people who have used floor curl and street curling and internationally and everything else. So I wouldn't even be able to begin to guess at how many people we've exposed to the sport um, and continue to. Like our goal is to even, you know, try to do more every year. I and mean, COVID certainly has put a little bit of a halt to our um, numbers for sure. But, uh, you know, we plan to continue and and we continually provide new programming and update and and see how we can improve and and reach new markets all the time. Well, you know what, let me ask you this then. Is there an area or maybe it doesn't have to be like far off, but or far away? Is there a place that surprised you with the amount of interest that 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 they got that you got from the people there in terms of curling? Um, you know, it's interesting. So Canada would be our most challenging area to expose people to because it's a pretty known sport here. So whenever we do an event in Canada, everybody sort of knows what curling is. It's But when we go into some other countries, um, it's certainly um, a little bit more like, wow, everyone's like, what are you doing? So, I mean, I remember doing some events um, in um, Guyana and in Mexico where people are really just staring at you because they have no idea what you're even doing. And they're just like, like we were in Guyana. We were there with uh, Ray with the uh, Curling Federation. And that was super fun because they were literally like, they had no idea. You were li- It's their first expression of the sport. And they were like, just engaged. Like, what is this? And you can go to the Olympics for this. And, and they just, because there's no ice there. They just don't even know what's going on. Um, but then when we were in Mexico, it was also super 
fun because they were able to turn an ice rink into curling. And so they actually got to go on ice and try it. And, you know, we were teaching them and they were just like, this is super fun. We need to do more of this. And so, you know, in Canada, it's a sport that everyone sort of knows. It's kind of, you know, in their backyard for lack of a better term, or hopefully this year it is in their backyard, but, um, in the, the other countries, it's a much different um, atmosphere because they're just more enthralled and they're just kind of like, oh, this is that Olympic sport and, uh, you know, something that they aren't exposed to on a regular basis. Right. I guess they would be exposed to it every four years when they see it at the Olympics. And having the opportunity to try it in person is is, is probably mind-blowing to them. Uh, but uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really respect what uh, what you guys are doing, obviously with rocks and rings, I, I argue it's probably the, the number one way any young person in this country is exposed to curling. Uh, more, you probably exposed it, exposed the sport to more young people through rocks and rings than any other way. So, uh, kudos to to you guys, uh, you and Chad hey. and the whole team. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we, you know, the rocks and rings program. I, I think it's. I mean. I, I, again, I'm going to be partly biased, but I, I really believe in it. And I think it is such a great introduction. And I think the one one takeaway that I kind of share with other people is our goal really with Rocks and Rings is, is not to teach people how to curl. They do that when they get to the curling club. Our, our goal is to teach them to want to curl. Mm. So our games and activities are around the sport and kind of learning about basic scoring and stuff that they need to know. And, and our goal is to hopefully get them to want to go out to your local club and, and try it so that they can get on the ice and learn you know the technique and that sort of stuff um or watch it on tv more and and that sort of thing so our goal is to market the sport that people want to play it and hopefully you know it's not known as maybe your grandfather's game anymore you know it's known as more of a younger person and anyone can do it and and that's great well, speaking as someone who runs a little rocks program at my club, uh, we definitely have had some people who have done rocks and rings and yeah, their f- next step is, Hey, I'm, I'm, this is really cool. Let me try it at a real, uh, ice rink. And yeah, that's how we get them into our program. So thank you. Well, I can tell you that running the program, we, we love to hear that. We don't really get, you know, curling um clubs tell us oh you know we've got kids here this week that have said they tried in their school and they want to try it on the ice and we love to get the feedback because you know it just helps us to you know reassure that yeah the program's working and and i get it i mean before i worked for rock solid i was a curling club manager um for multiple years in the toronto area and and we're busy and so we got new members and we're happy we get new members and Sometimes we record where they come from and sometimes we don't. And so, you know, as someone now who helps market it, it's nice to hear, oh, we've got kids from Rocks and Rings and we know the stories are out there. We just, we don't get to hear them as often as we would like. That's for sure. Right. Well, at the end of of, uh, this interview, you can give your contact information and I'm sure that any interested (laughs) coaches out there can tell you uh, uh, how many of their kids have uh, tried Rocks and Rings and subsequently gone to their clubs. But uh, speaking of which, I I, I wanted to ask you about uh, the Stroud Curling Club, which uh, you run the Little Rocks, the U12 program there. Could Could you just give me an update? Like, What's the status of the club? What's the status of your program? Yeah, so we are on hold. We don't have a program right now. Um, well, we like to say we have a program. It's just on hold because of COVID. Um, so 
I like to think it's a pretty good program. Um, we have about 60 kids registered in the program. Um, and we have an amazing coaching team, which I think helps. We have lots of great coaches and our coaching staff seems to be building and getting better every year, which is amazing. Um, so that makes it very easy for me to run what I'd like to think is a and uh, yeah, we're continually to build. Like, you know, my biggest thing is getting kids to not just play it and build, but get out into bond fields. So certainly, you know, last year we played a few and, and we're, you know, trying to get literally four or five teams out bond spieling on a regular basis. Cause I feel like, you know, there's one thing for me to teach you and you can learn it here. It's another thing when you get out there and you try and play a real game and then you come off the ice and you're looking going, I get it now. <laughs> so, right. um, so we like to do a little bit of both and, and try to get them out bond feeling, but also, you know, learning the skills and having fun. We do lots of theme days and that sort of stuff as everyone does. So, uh, yeah, but I, I, you know, the other thing too, is I like to work with, you know, other clubs and see what they're doing and see how we can adapt and, you know, incorporate some fun stuff that they're doing so that we can really maximize the excitement level on the ice one thing i'm really big on is music and my other coaching staff know that i'm always like well you turned down the music turn up the music <laughs> yeah it, it's uh it, I, I know the times we use it especially during warm-up they're always a little more amped after they hear it so yeah uh, well abby thanks for joining me today uh if people want to get in touch with you uh what's the best way they can contact you so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyone can contact me about any of our programs or products or just hey, shoot me an email and say, hi, you've got some kids for, from, from Rocks and Rings. That'd be awesome. Um, you can reach me at uh, adarnley at rocksolidproductions.com uh, or even if you send an email to info at rocksandrings.com, it'll come to me and I'll get it. And I'd be happy to say hi, answer any questions and, and go from there. Yeah, well, thanks, Abby. I'll make sure that we add that to our show notes and to our uh, to our uh, uh, social media. So, uh, Abby, thanks again for joining me. And uh, well, thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Yeah, I, I hope uh, our programs get back to normal, maybe in the fall of twenty twenty one. Yeah, my fingers we'll... are crossed. My fingers are crossed for fall twenty twenty one to be back to normal ish. Yeah, mine's too. This has been the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. To reach me, Coach Glenn, please email coachingkidscurling at gmail.com. To subscribe to our podcast for free, visit our website at coachingkidscurling.com. You can also find show notes and links to the resources mentioned in this episode and in previous episodes. The outro and intro music was Golden Sunrise by Josh Woodward. Thanks for listening. Good luck and good curling. on a Ferris wheel. Say it. Say it one more time, but a little lower. Turing rot on a Ferris wheel.